0: Hello and welcome to the London Scots podcast. Welcome to London Scots Podcast, where we have a chat with Scots who have made it to the big smoke. It's about where they came from, why they're in London, and what their life is like. We won't solve the mysteries of the universe, but we hope to capture a slice of life and have a bit of a laugh along the way. My guest is the uber-talented Colin McIntyre, who's also... Performs under the name the Mull Historical Society. He's a novelist, a playwright, a singer, songwriter. I could go on, but let's hear it from him. Colin, where did you come from and how did you end up in London?
1: Thank you. I come from um, the Isle of Mull. So I come from Tobermory and Isle, Isle of Mull and the Hebrides and moved to London probably about 12, 15 years on and off, but really the last kind of dozen years pretty much permanently. What took you to London? I'd met my now wife back then. She lived in London. She's a New Yorker, but she'd moved to London, and so that's where I'm gonna kind of move to be with her. But I suppose a lot of what I was doing was coming out of London in terms of the label and with and manager and etc. But I, I didn't really need to be in London, sort of professionally if you like. But in some ways, it's sometimes it's kind of helped that I'm closer to that kind of community. But yeah, so that was the reason. But but really, that, that was the main reason I moved down. Oh, brilliant.
0: Well, it's, it's nice to hear a, a reason for love coming through in this. Normally, it's jobs that take people to London, so that's lovely. And what were
1: your first thoughts when you moved to London? Well, I think at first, which is why I'm sort of a little vague on the exact time I've been in London, but I've moved from well, from Tobamory to Glasgow, and I was at uni there, and that's really where I got my music going. And so Glasgow is a kind of second home, and then to London. And initially, I suppose, I was still flitting back to Glasgow a bit and I was touring constantly you know probably I was in some ways I didn't really feel I was really in London you know I was yeah and I think at first I would find myself going round places you know whether it was in Soho or wherever I was in the centre of London and and even now I'll sort of see places and think oh that's what I did that or that's what I did that bit of promo or that interview or that TV or radio or, and gradually at first I was sort of living a little bit out of a kind of bin liner. we do things a bit weirdly in Mull, I'm not sure but <laughs> <laughs> I had a proper bag as well but I was touring constantly so I never felt I was kind of permanently engaging with London you know yeah. so I would say more you know second sort of proper longer stint as I've explained I feel much more you know I've got more of a community and getting out and doing things and we live and, and the last sort of Five years, we've moved to we're just by the river, so I think probably coming from water, that's quite nice to have that. And I think that again has made London just. I just feel there's a bit more space to look out on. I've always liked being by the river anyway, even when I wasn't living there. And the Thames kind of just seems to open out a bit more, just mind wise, and also maybe it's a bit more not quite where I grew up, (laughs) but with where I grew up.
0: I was in Harris and Lewis um, a few weeks ago, just before Easter. And um, I was talking to a person there and they were saying that when you grow up by the, the sea, it's quite hard. It's such a lovely thing.
1: And it, it's quite hard if you don't, if you're not near it. Yeah, exactly. You know, even just hearing a seagull is, makes such a difference. <laughs> and uh, and I think there is something about that, just being by the water. And I didn't always know that at first. My, my sort of earlier interactions with London were very much, I'm in kind of West London now, but was very much coming down to kind of Camden archway area. I had friends and also my cousin, same age as I me, mean, same class at school, and, and he was in London before me. That's where he was as well, in that kind of Camden area. So, and then coming down to play, you know, a lot of the, some people will be familiar with places like the Water Rats or Dingwells or um, the Monarch or Dublin Camp. So I think sometimes that field, even now if I go over and visit a sort of friend in that area or if I'm in that area, just made my new album, uh, Wakeline, the new Mull album, with somebody from that area, Bernard Butler. So it actually sometimes when I'm in that sort of part of North London, I feel a bit more, oh, this is London, just because I kind of associate that with my first interactions with London, you know, go down to play those type of venues that I mentioned that are very much a record company haunts. So it's funny, even now, you know, I'll sort of feel with them in those ballparks, I think. You know, it's a bit more built up than where I am now feels a bit more like oh this is yeah this is because it's still sort of something about the sort of Scots being in I Don't know there is that part of North London coming into King's Cross and the train and Euston and there's something about sort of I think I, I know that being said to me before even about Glasgow the, Hebr- the Hebrideans quite often are in the kind of west end of Glasgow because it's the kind of first part you hit something about that you know I mean not like a Scottish person can't live in South London <laughs> but I'm sure there are some but the fact that you sort of, there's something about that area of North London, Camden, and the sort of music scene around there that particularly then, you know, kind of early noughties was quite a, maybe it was even a bigger thing, you know, than it yeah. is. So I sort of connect with that, you know, but yeah, mm-hmm. but where I am now is nice with the river, but I also like dipping into other parts. And and interestingly, making this most recent album, I was crossing London every day, you know, going from sort of West London to kind of Crouch End, North End London, where Bernard lives and and it was actually quite nice to kind of engage with the city that way and you know mm. I think probably by now I've taken in lots of bits of London I've made videos in London, I've, I've dressed as a rabbit, a Stowe dog track for one of my watch, uh, early videos, watching Xanadu as a single um, so I feel like I've sort of also, my music has taken me here as well and <laughs> I, I've had an impact on the city in terms of me, in terms of actual places that I've got quite strong memories from my kind of music journey to date as well. And and has it, uh, it's developing that,
0: has it, um, do you think it's really influenced your music, but in terms of, uh, well, yes, has it influenced your music in terms of where your inspiration that you're drawing from to write?
1: Yes, definitely. I think, um, you know, even more than I probably sometimes can verbalise at the drop of a hat. I mean, I think the music I've made, you know, the album before, or a couple of albums before this one was called City Awakenings and that was very much, as much as I come from the Hebrides and I call myself after my island and <laughs> I'll talk with anybody about Mull as long as you want, but having said that, that's always with me, you know, even if I'm standing now in London, as I feel like I can always tap into where I came from whether it's music or in my writing. Maybe an island, you know, a, a community that's cut off, maybe that even accentuates that that sort of sense of belonging and and a lot of the work I've been doing of late has been on this kind of theme of sort of home and how it travels with you, and in my case, how an island travels. And so it's, that's kind of with me wherever I go. But but you're right, there's definitely something about, whether it was Glasgow and now London, how those cities have influenced me. And, and with that album, the one I mentioned, City Awakenings, I actually, I just wanted to kind of give a nod to that, you know, because <laughs> the city coming from, Where I grew up, you know, we didn't have a cinema, didn't have record shops, didn't have, you know, a lot of the things that you would get in a town or a city. And I think Glasgow and London have both given me so much in terms of, I mean, I remember first arriving in in London and just sort of feeling like um, somebody had turned a radio on in my head or something. I just felt, even on the tube, on the buses, it just kind of, there's something about transit as well that I really like, you know, and, and I love being on the underground and that actually inspires me. I don't, know, I don't know if it's because I didn't grow up there. I actually feel I'm in a kind of movie sometimes or particularly mm. you know, if I've got music on or even if I've got my own music on in the headphones or I'm working on, particularly recording as I said recently, sometimes you'd have fixes coming home and I'd listen to it and there's something about, you know even uh, Bob Dylan said in his Chronicles book that any form of motion is good for creativity, even just putting one step one foot in front of the other. So I think there's something about the urgency of cities and just the, the mass of people and the, the I, I think for me, the big thing is just being an observer. That's really how I make the music and write the books that I do. It's just quite often it's come there's things come from a lot comes from inside you, but a lot comes from what you're kind of observing around you. And there's certainly plenty to observe in London. you know, just the people watching and and London being so many kind of villages under one roof as well I like that, you know, that's why I mentioned earlier about the contrast of Captain versus kind of West London, but I quite almost, not every Saturday, but a lot of Saturdays with a family we kind of head up to Notting Hill and Portobello Road and the market and we have kind of our routines that we do and, and I love that. I love also just walking Portobello Road on a Saturday and, and experiencing the kind of buskers and Rough Trades Records is up there and and actually just performing in London has been so much fun over the years from discovering lots of different venues and then probably, as I said, at least three out of my eight albums I've made them. And the crowds,
0: if you compare your, your crowds to, to the ones, um, I mean, it's probably, it was a different time when you were in Glasgow, but um, performing there to, to performing in London, you, you find that people are pretty much the same and, and, and worldwide where you... You have toured with yourself and, and all these other lovely acts like REM. Yeah. Do you find that people are pretty much the same wherever you go, or or is there just somewhere you just go, my God, we're never going back there?
1: I think everywhere you just as you the longer you do it as well, you just kind of try and approach everything just as a new experience. And London, you know, at first I remember first touring and having the tour bus, and my first ever tour was um supporting Elbow and then the Strokes on their first ever tour. And that actually started in London, you know, and I remember by then I had a tour bus, you know, because I'd done a couple of tours and singles out. We were both on Rough Trade at the beginning, so that was the connection. And they had a transit van. And I remember them running on our tour bus outside the venue in Camden and just thinking, you know, and they were like little boys really, you know, looking at this tour bus. And and then about two nights, they had a tour bus as well. So they were clearly on a path <laughs> many tour buses probably but lots of great memories of London and the audiences you know so those early days you would learn you know just going around the country and seeing lots of places I'd never seen and that's been the great thing about music for me is it's taken me places you know yeah. and experiences and I would say London audiences um, sometimes get a bit of a bad reputation for maybe you know London having so much choice and just being the metropolis it is. It's less it maybe less personal, but actually I've always loved playing in lots of different places in London, like she- uh, Bush, Shepherd's Bush Empire. The one you mentioned with R.E.M. was the first time I played Brixton Academy, so such fun to, to be a guest of them. I've still got a bottle of a uh, nice uh, Chateau Neuf de Pap from a. Uh, From REM that I still haven't opened. (laughs) Very nice.
0: I wanted
1: to ask who's the best parties anyway? Who's the best after gig parties? Well, I mean, that too with the strokes was just such fun and whatever, you know, and it gathered speed wherever we went, you know, so it just, uh, there was lots of parties then. But the great thing about London is just the opening hours as well. (laughs) So you can always find a good place to go. My next gig is in London, it's on Thursday, 23rd of May, and that's all. Shepherd Bush. So, um, and that will have I'm doing it with the kind of stripped back with strings, but with Bernard Butler, who people will know from founder of Suede and Macarment and Butler, and you know produced loads of people along the way. So, it's real fun to have Bernard to have made the album with him, but also have him touring and on stage in London, and he being you know a Londoner, very much born and bred. So that's going to be fun. He joked, he's from the Haringey. Historical Society. <laughs> We're joining forces for one night. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's Bush Hall, which is, again, talking of audiences and sort of nights to remember, that's where I launched my second Mull album, Us, actually, there, uh, and played there a few times. And it's a kind of nice sort of older theatre in West London. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's given me a lot as well, London. It's, it's inspired me. I just um, talking about that album, which I was listening to last night, and
0: it's really lovely to to listen to it. And, and the, is it the song about your father bringing back the electric guitar?
1: Yeah, that's uh, called 14 Year Old Boy." Fourteen year old boy. Actually, talking about that transit, that journey across London each day, I was kind of writing my memoir, which came out last summer, called "Hometown Tales," and it's the same publisher as my first novel was on and they asked me to write a kind of non-fiction piece. So I ended up writing this piece about where I grew up and the journey of my music. And and interestingly, the album then was taking on some of that similar subject matter. So yes, that story, that song, 14-year-old boy, is about my dad waiting my first guitar home, which was, um, he missed, he would always, he worked for the BBC, so he travelled Monday to Friday back, Monday away from the island, Friday back. Mm-hmm. And um, he'd missed, he, he was always running late and he missed the ferry and my uncle picked him up and I sort of climbed fishing boat. And yeah, he was bringing it home. It was Christmas time and, he, and the, the boat couldn't get to the sort of jetty, So um, he waded this Fender Telecaster above his head home to the island. And um, actually, I'm going to have it. It's been in the storage for a little while and I haven't used it live, but I'm going to play it at Bush Hall and play that song and introduce it with the story. Memoir actually opens up with that story. It's a very powerful image. And and just
0: getting into when you were you were obviously getting into music, did you did you get a lot of support from your family,
1: your school? And yeah, I did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my first gigs, my cousin who I mentioned is in London, you know, who I moved down, who's here before me. He's still here. He was the drummer in my covers band. He's now kind of works in film and TV. Um, so we had our first bands um as sort of 12 years we were called Trax, T-R-A-X. The X was quite important to that uh, name. And then we were called, we we evolved into this band called the Love Sick Zombies. We didn't have a lot of live music coming our way so and, and the Hebride and Mull, so we kind of made it for ourselves. And the school, yeah, we used to play in the school gym and it was very much part of the support. And yeah, I suppose my parents were always, they weren't particularly musical people, but they, um, I think they always kind of uh, supported the, the kind of dream I had really so so yeah it's kind of nice to bring the island to the city as well yeah that is a very nice a very nice feeling so you've gone into doing a children's book and what was the motivation for that I basically my, I suppose the main motivation is I've got two little girls and somehow you, you can't really turn off your creativity you know so you he had an idea for a book and I had a title which is called The Hum Drum Drum sort of teaching inclusiveness and community and um, all the orchestra have to persuade him he's actually keeping the beat. They win the day by the orchestra starting to play again but there's lots of tomatoes getting thrown from the audience at the conductor and all the rest of it and I wrote these songs to go with it so it has a CD of music with it. But yeah, it's just it just like you know, being creative and finding other ways to be, to be that way. Yeah. That's fantastic and just on your creative process do you, do you approach
0: each project discreetly or are you running four or five at the same time do you, do you sit down in the morning and say right the morning's going to be devoted to writing and the afternoon i'll go and do the
1: shopping or women's Thames? no i think basically that's a good point really i i, I think i find that it quite it helps me to have a few things in the go at once because i tend to have a lot of ideas and if i put them all into one thing whether that be one song or one book or it can maybe be too much so i actually quite like having several things going at once but what you start to realize is sometimes there's a thread or a theme running across and i always like to have that even with an album i kind of know the title of it before i've even you know finished recording it just because i quite like to know that there's something that this all hangs on so that's home being an islander home traveling with you whatever that be and um right now i've made this album and your mind starts to think a bit about the next thing, you know, so in some ways I'm open now to what comes next. And just looking at the way that we consume music these days, I'm sorry to
0: put such a horrible word to it, but this where people will will choose one track and listen to it by streaming, as opposed to perhaps sitting down and bringing out an album, taking the fluff off the needle and putting the needle on and going on that journey that the artist intended you to go on. Does this affect you at all in any
1: way? No, not really. I mean, as much as I'm talking about an album and a theme and no, you also think, you know, each song is just a standalone piece of work and hopefully that gets a emotional response from people. And, you know, you're trying to, with what I do, maybe it's because I come from a small community, but you're trying to build communities really and just people to, you know, you might bring a bit of your story, but sometimes you also want, you, you know, you, you hand it over to the people that, listens to it or there's a book that reads it and bring their own thing to it so it doesn't really bother me i mean it's nice that you know the album is on vinyl and there's something nice about that and that people can still consume it that way and i think there's a lot more people enjoying that again yeah the sort of aesthetics of it and the art and the visual going with the music but no i mean it doesn't i mean you know each song kind of stands up for itself really
0: so, Colin, we come to the joke or app time. So you've got to tell us a joke or tell us about an app you find kind of indispensable.
1: Well, I want to tell you about an app that I find indispensable, really. Although my eight-year-old's voice is in my head with, uh, with her daily jokes. So I might give you that as well. <laughs> Morning was, what is Cat's uh, favourite cereal? Ice Krispies.
0: Very good. I was going to try and guess myself, but I don't know if I would have got it. It's a higher bar than... It people. is a higher bar, yeah. My uh, my nine-year-old will be very
1: proud of that. I think I'm going to tell her that one later. The app that I can't really do without is... It's maybe a little bit of an obvious one, but um, it's the BBC Sounds app. But more specifically, into that, um, the, the books and author interviews that I absolutely love. Oh. I, I mean, I don't really probably listen to as much music as I should, and I don't seem to listen to many musicians talking about what they do, but I think maybe that's just something that's, because I've been doing music longer, but my um, but the book side really interests me and I find it really inspiring.
0: You're the second person uh, in a row that's mentioned the BBC Sounds app, and we were talking last week with Alice Hopkins about, about it, and I use it as well. I used to listen to the World at One and stuff, but where do you find the books,
1: the, the author interviews? Is it an actual, what section is that in? How do you find it? I'll tell you the programs that I listen to. I don't know if you have to specifically go you search for the World Book Club is fantastic. It's on the World Service. Basically it brings, you know, a kind of international internationally recognized author who's had a big book maybe in the last, you know, 20 30 years and and a global audience which can be on social media and sometimes their phone contributors but also they have they, feel, they record it in London um with a kind of live audience and I just love it it's just really as a, as a writer I find it inspiring and I'm always interested in how other writers operate and I learn a lot from that so World Book Club also um Book Club itself which is another monthly one which Jim Naughty does um on Radio 4 and I absolutely love Desert Island Discs even <laughs> when I was a kid you know growing up in Mull um I used to love that and my old man my dad was a BBC political journalist so um we, he was kind of always either on the radio or on kind of the Radio Scotland or listening to, you know, the some BBC Radio 4. So I get quite a lot of, it feels like it's been a kind of journey through my whole life. But I love Desert Island Discs. It's also just like listening to um, Desert Island Discs, That would be another one, wouldn't it? Maybe that should be made as well.
0: It's a great way to expand
1: the mind to listen
0: to Desert Island Discs. And it can sometimes be a bit frustrating when you only get so much of a song that you really want to hear the end of. But they have to cut it out or fade it out towards the end. But it's a great snapshot into somebody's life and to somebody's thinking as well. You're just about to tell us about another app.
1: Yeah, um, also, um, just in in keeping, if people are interested in authors and finding out how they work, and also just I find it inspiring as a creative generally, um, the Paris Review is one which I'd strongly recommend. And it's been going for about 60 years. It's based out of New York, it was begun in Paris. It's basically just authored interviews. It's also got art, PCs, architecture, but it's just across the arts, and it's just it's very consistently done. And you always know it's a quarterly, actually, of the magazine. But the app itself is also another way into that, and they've got the most amazing archive of authored interviews and just general creatives. So yeah, these are these are but BBC Sounds, I suppose, is my go-to also for Five Live for football, and I think it's just an amazing resource all in one place. Yeah, it
0: is great. But the, just that other app you mentioned, it's called the Parish Review, is it? As in P A R I S, Paris. Paris Review. Lovely, good. Well, I've not heard of that one. That's great. I'll, I'll download that one and listen to it. Brilliant. Well, Colin, it's been a real blast
1: talking to you. Thanks very much for sharing your time. And um, you're appearing really soon, aren't you? Yeah, I've got um London show, um, Bush Hall, with Bernard Butler, as I mentioned, on. Thursday, 23rd of May. So if anyone fancies come along, we're going to turn Bush Hall into Isle of Mull for the night. Oh, how um, lovely. Is the missionist still going in? The mission Yeah, the mission is going. In fact, yeah, it is. It's, it's still going and it's been painted yellow again. It was kind of controversial to black for a little while, but it's been back to yellow. So yeah, absolutely, it's still there. Um, I don't think that's ever going to change. I spent some of my brother's stag party in the missionist. <laughs> All right, I spent some of my youth in the mission. <laughs> Good fun in there. And I should mention Ed as well, if you're Edinburgh, I've got uh I'm just announced today actually playing um the Edinburgh Fringe again with Bernard Butler, um Mollistoral Society on Friday, thirtieth of August at the MASH House. So um you're welcome to come Friday, on. the thirtieth of August, that sounds great. And where about is it? MASH House. M A S H the MASH House. Well oh, the MASH House, perfect. Brilliant. Yeah. Right. Well,
0: that sounds great. We'll put all of that on social media, Colin. And um, anytime you want to come along to the Cayley Club up in uh, Camden or at South Ken, if that's a bit easier for you, there's a couple of tickets waiting for you. There, You can get a night out away from the kids or bring the kids, if you fancy. Great. Great stuff. Colin, thanks very much. It's been a real joy talking to you. Cheers. Take care now. Bye. Thank you for listening to the London Scots podcast. It's been a blast for us and we hope that you've enjoyed it. The wonderful music was provided by licence to Cayley and if you're looking for a taste of Scotland in London and a great night out, then head over to the Cayley Club. Have a wonderful day, everybody, and lang may your love week. Thank you and bye-bye.